you've all got your your way home. You know, you've all got, and it, at night you finally drive home from work and you've got your routine in the evening, right? I know you do. We've got our routine. In fact, I remember when we first started having kids and I remember telling my dad and mom like, hey, don't, don't call between like four and eight. Like that's just off limits because once you get home, it is trying to get bed, I mean, supper and bath and homework and bed and it is just Full tilt, man. You know what I'm talking about if you've, if you ever had kids, right? But even if you, even if you're not even married yet, you've got your, you've got your evening routine. So I want you to imagine with me for a minute. I want you to imagine tomorrow night, it's about 8.30. All right. 8.30 is typically, it's start, you're starting to feel the, the ramp down a little bit, especially for you night owls that are kind of starting to get excited again because the, the house is going to get quiet and then you're going to get your couple of hours of dreaming and things. Maybe some, some of you that are, you know, uh, night owls, you're that because the only time you might get. I want you to think that you're about 8.30 tomorrow night. You're in your, you're in your, you're in your favorite spot. Maybe you're watching the news, whatever you're doing. I want you to put yourself there. I mean, I, I mean it. Put yourself there right now about 8.30 tomorrow night. What will you be doing? In your phone, you get a notification. And on that notification, this is, this is what it says from one of your closest friends. Hey, call me. Quit my job today. Got big news. All right? From the, the closest friend you've got, you had no idea. You've all got your closest friend, right? If you got that text, hey, call me. Quit my job today. Got big news. So, you know, you can imagine in the dot, 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 what's like, this is the first time you're telling me this? I thought we were closer than this. I don't even, I didn't even know. And so you call, you immediately, what are you going to do? Well, you're going you're gonna to call. It's boom. You're going to call your, your closest friend and you're going to say, what? Okay, okay what, what, what's going on? And, and, and imagine this is, this is you know, there's going to be several questions that I think I'm going to ask, you're going to ask. And, and, and the first thing that you're going to ask is, what does this company do? And imagine that your friend said, well, it's a, it's a long answer. It's a startup. Oh. You know, okay. Well, what, what do they sell? Uh, nothing, re- really. Okay. All right. I'm, 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 get, I'm honing in. Does this mean relocation? Nah, I'm not sure. Well, it's a startup. You said, yeah, it's a startup. Well, what's the pay scale? Well, you know, we never really got around to that. You're going to start asking your friends some questions about controlled substances, (laughs) um, history, you know, severe depression tendencies. Imagine, you know, some of you have parents, your parents right now of, of kids in college are going, yeah, I live that like last year, right? Yeah. So, so here's the, the funny thing about that, really. The truth is, when you read the Gospels, I think that's probably exactly how the conversations went. Today, we're going to talk about, we're talking about this idea of Jesus and, and his pivotal moments, times in Jesus' life that were big moments in Jesus' life. And one of those big moments when, was when it came to calling. We're going to talk today in pivotal moments about when Jesus changed occupations. And I'm not talking about his occupation. I'm talking about when Jesus changed the occupations of others. 
that he changed the direction of other people. Because I think probably, can you imagine? I've thought about this many times, actually, no kidding. I've thought, I wonder what it must have been like to go home at the end of a normal day and for somebody like Andrew to say, when you know you walk in the door, hey, honey, how was your day? Oh, I was, well, it was uh, different. Quit my job. Oh, oh, like severance? No. No, just walked away. Is this a joke? No. I mean, these are conversations that were, were very real. They were very, very real. And, and it, it all centered around the, the call that Jesus put out to people. And what, what fascinates me is what we're about to read in a minute. It is a common thread in the life of people that answered the call to Jesus' life. They abandoned what they used to be. In fact, I would go so far as to say it this way, that Jesus called people to abandon what they knew to experience a life they never knew. To experience a life as they never knew it. He called them to abandon something and put it behind them to encounter and engage and experience something that they would have never known had they not taken that move. So I want you to turn to the gospel of Mark. Matthew, Mark. It's the second gospel in the way your Bible falls in chapter chapter 1. We're going to Mark chapter 1. And this is a, a story that I've studied on my own many times. In fact... It's truly at the core of when you hear us talk at Clearview about discovering your calling. This, is, this, this passage is at the core of it. I've studied it for well more than a decade. It's a simple story, but I believe there's a lot going on there. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. So uh, Jesus is now starting his earthly ministry. It's a pivotal moment for Jesus. And in verse 14 of Mark chapter 1, it says that, um, now after John had been taken into custody, John, John had been arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And he was going about by the sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon. Casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed. Think about the gravity of that statement. I don't know anybody that drops a career on a whim. Can you imagine the conversation? What does this man do? I don't really know. Other than he told me, and I just had no choice. I felt in my spirit God calling me to him. He says things that I, I, I'm telling you, you've got you've to meet this man. I mean, this is a strange encounter. This is a grown man. These aren't like 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 18, 22-year-old impressionable people. These are grown adults with established careers putting money in the bank to pay the bills and have a retirement and do all of these things. And what are they doing? They're making these quick diversions. Something is different about this man, Jesus. It says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. In verse 19, it 
says, going on a little further, that is walking on down the Sea of Galilee, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Jesus called people to abandon what they knew to experience life as they never knew it. Today we're talking about what does it mean when, when God puts a call on your life. And truthfully, there's, there, there could be a whole host of, of topics we could go off into this issue about you discovering why God put you on planet Earth. But I thought what I would do today is give you just a couple of, of insights into what happens and what was Jesus doing. What, what kind of people was he looking at? What, what was he attempting to do? He was setting up his kingdom. And so when, it, when you look at the life of Jesus, one of, the, one of the core foundational truths that's honestly always struck me is that Jesus calls people outside the religious norm. He really does. I mean, he really calls people outside the religious norm. He, he told them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, Right? Follow me and, and I'll make you fishers of men. One of, the, one of the, the, the key concepts here is that if you'll notice, Jesus didn't stop asking Peter or Andrew. He, he didn't stop asking James, don't be a fisherman anymore. No, he just said, I'm going to change what you fish for. And there's a lot there. That's by design. You see, I think we look at Peter, and we look at especially guys like Peter, and we say, you know, oh, Jesus called him in, in spite of who Peter was. I think Jesus called Peter for exactly who Peter was. Peter had a, a, a God-given gift to stand up in front of people when it mattered. Oh, sure, he had times when before the resurrection when he failed, but after the resurrection, you couldn't stop him. He would encounter anybody. Jesus was going into Galilee and he was calling out real people. And who were these real people? Well, one thing we know, if you're going down to the ocean to, to pick up some hardcore commercial fishermen, these are not theologically elite people, right? You think Jesus did that by accident? Oh, you'll do. No. You'll do. What are you in sales? We'll work it out. Don't worry about it. No. These are not. In fact, he went around people like me. Don't, if this were like modern day 2021, don't you know how many people like me would be grossly offended? Wait a minute. I went to the best seminaries. I've been published you know, I've got like podcasts. I've got stuff out there in your name. And you didn't even ask. Eh, you'll figure it out. I got other people. He went right around the theologically elite. And I don't know that maybe that's one of the reasons the Pharisees couldn't stand him. He picked a fight with them all the time. They were not necessarily socially elite people either. I mean, look, look at the kind of people... You know, John, not exactly a guy that's going to grace the cover of GQ, eating locusts and bugs and wearing camel hair, not really current on pop trends. 
of how you dress. Weirdo. So he, he, didn't, he didn't go the normal route. And, and, and I, I, let me just give you, I, I put together just a couple of images to show you kind of a modern day example. You got a guy like Peter. I don't know if you've ever been around commercial fishermen. They use different vocabulary than we do. <laughs> That's just the truth. I remember the first time I walked a, 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 a a corporate uh, construction site as a chaplain. I, 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 I got back in my truck and I went, wow, I've been in the church way too long. You know, um, it's real life. Now, there was Luke, the doctor, that he called. And Luke, but Luke, understand that a doctor's profession in that day wasn't, it wasn't as uh, noble. I mean, it was good and all, but it was nowhere near the elite status that maybe a physician or somebody in the medical field would be. It wasn't like that at all. Think about Mary of Magdala. I mean, this was a woman. No, she wasn't called to be an apostle, but certainly Jesus called her. She went with him. She did ministry in the name of Jesus and for Jesus and for the kingdom of God. And who was she? A woman recently healed of demon possession. Not your Sunday school teacher. She was a woman with a checkered past. In fact, most of them had checkered past. Jesus called people outside the religious norm. He really did. And when you read the story, it's pretty clear. And, and it's even more emphatic to me when he goes into Galilee. Why Galilee? Well, you got to understand. He start, there's nothing that Jesus does by accident, right? So he starts his ministry in Galilee. What is Galilee? It is the epicenter of non-churchy people. It is not where the starchy church people would be. It was the center of life. It was the, it, there was a lot of life happening, a lot of paganism, a lot of Gentiles. And that was a very big statement. He did not just go to the Jews. He went to people on the street. In fact, I don't know if you know this about the Bible. Some of you do, but I venture to say many of you don't. One of the things I love about Jesus is, is how Jesus kept it simple. We've managed as theologians to make it very hard over the years. We really have. We've managed to make God complex, and we use really big theological words at times. And, and many times, uh, guys even like me stand up here, and we use words that you know, are this long, and, and, and it shows our theological education. But it's interesting to me, Jesus really never did any of that. He really didn't. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn core doctrines. It certainly doesn't mean we shouldn't grow our mind, as Jesus told us to grow our mind theologically. We should. But Jesus never put theology in front of people. He took the truth of who he was to the people. And so when he did, he was approachable. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't starchy. I don't know if you know, but a proof of that would simply be that there's two types of Greek language. You, you may not know this, but there's classical Greek That'd be like academic Greek. And then there's what's called Koine Greek. 
And Koine Greek is what we would call in modern day word slang, street talk. And that's the language the Bible was written in. It was written in street Greek. Why? What, that should show you, even in and of itself, that should be an indicator to you that Jesus wasn't looking to just further religion. He was starting a kingdom, and he was starting it in, in Galilee. I think, I think what that means, for, the fact that Jesus went to the non-religious people, I'll tell you what that means to me, just as a, a follower of Jesus. What that means to me is that while I, while I must pursue a life of purity, and while I must pursue a life of holiness, I can never have my righteousness be something that separates me from the street. Now, it, it's a tricky thing, right? It's a tricky thing because, because we are called to be in the world but not of it. But I wonder sometimes if we actually are so detached from the world that we can't understand. I'm talking about churches now. Do you, do you honestly think, what is it, 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning? Do you honestly think that people at Meredith's right now or Cracker Barrel, do you think they're going, hmm, I feel really bad. I mean, I really should have been there. They're not even thinking about us because they don't see themselves as part of us. And that doesn't make us bad or them bad or them good and, and us good. It doesn't, it's not anything. It is a reality of look at how far now the church world is, how, how it is so different. And it is. It should be. It should be different. We should walk different. We should talk different. We, we should have different value systems. But those value systems can never get us into a place where people see that, oh, they are I would never be like that. I could, I could never be like that because the people that Jesus was calling were people like that. And they weren't people that were snobs. And I think that is one of the dangers that we face. The further we go down the world of evangelicalism, it's a tricky thing. It's a really tricky thing. Because I am to called to walk on the side of the kingdom of God without somehow losing touch with the fact that I am called to enter into a world where Jesus said, it's not the well that need a physician, it's the sick. So how do we do that? Well, that, that's, that's not always the easiest of answers, but what I do find is that when I see that Jesus started his ministry in Galilee, what that tells me is he was taking the kingdom to the people. He was taking the kingdom to the people. In fact, it goes on to say in Mark that he entered the synagogue, he began to teach, he began to teach with amazement. He pretty soon after that began to, to, to heal 
And, and, and I think it's in, uh, let me pull this and see if I'm right here. Yeah, and, and, and when, when, uh, when, you don't have to turn there, but when Matthew discovers the same, he kind of c- covers the same calling, uh, the same story is found in Matthew, but Matthew puts a little bit different twist on it. It says, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease, every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all who were ill, suffering with various diseases, pains, demoniacs, epilepsy paralytics, and he healed them. He took the kingdom to the people. And, and I hope that when you hear and see what happened in Mark chapter 1, I hope that gives you hope. I really do. I hope you understand that Jesus calls people just like you and just like me But when he does call, there is one indicator here when you read the the gospel of Matthew, I mean the gospel of Mark, and and when you read about the calling, there's one thing you have to understand. Although, yes, it's true, he went around the religious elite and he went to normal everyday people and called them into kingdom life. That that call has a very clear resound, and to it, I would say that Jesus calls people to follow without stipulation. This wasn't a negotiation. Notice there was never a question mark at the end of the statement to Peter. Hey, would you, could you? There was never that. There was a clear call to follow, and it wasn't a contract negotiation. This call was very invasive. In fact, every time that I see a call to a disciple, it is a call that is invasive. It is is a call to, to abandon the life they knew, to experience a life as they never would know it, as they never knew it. It is a call that is total. It is not partial. Jesus wasn't interested in being a co-laborer with anybody. He just wasn't. It was an intrusive call on their lives. It wasn't a call to religion. It was a call to fulfill the kingdom of God. And that is why you discovering your calling matters so much to us that lead Clearview. Because we know that if you do not discover why God put you on the planet, you're going to walk through your life limping and hobbling. You're going to walk through your life questioning. You're going to walk through your life never fully experiencing the reason you were here. Because I want you to know, Christian friend, that God did not put you on this earth just so you could keep doing this on Sundays and call it a day. That's not what we're here for. This is great what we do, but this is once a week. There are six more days. So how does that look? It's why I make statements to you over and over and over again, and I keep bringing you back to this, especially lately, that you're never going to experience the power of holy God if all you want is the comfort of a church. I've said that many times in the last few weeks. I'm going to keep it in front of you for a while. 
You're never going to experience the power of a holy God and all of his kingdom and all the things that Jesus sent out the 70 and said, go proclaim, go with authority, go heal. He even told Nathaniel when he called Nathaniel, oh, you're going to see greater things than these. He even told his disciples, oh, you're going to do more than I did. Do you think they believed that? I doubt they believed that. I don't know that I would have believed that. But that's what he told them. We are here to experience the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. And so the the real question that it brings home to me today is how in the world does this in Mark chapter 1 How does this apply to me? April 11, 2021. That's the big question. Right now, you're sitting April 11, 2021. You are sitting in church. And and this, this should hope be the question that you ask. Why did God put me on this earth? Why did God? Today, why did God... Put me on this earth. Well, it wasn't just to populate the planet. You've heard me bring this up. It is at the core of who we are at Clearview that you discover your purpose. Why is this such a big deal to us? Look around. Look around, Christian friend. Look around. Look around your life. Look around your office. Look around the people that you work with. Look around. Every time humanity is polled, every time the workforce is polled, every time people are polled about their jobs and their lives, the, 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 the research comes back pretty much the same every time. Very few people feel like their work matters. Very few. Oh, they may enjoy their job a little bit, but very few people feel as if what they do in life matters. And that, that would, that's easily, easily to explain why you see all the job hopping. One of the things I love about the millennial generation is the millennial generation is on record every time they're polled and looked at. They say they want their work to matter. I love that about the millennial generation. They don't just want to be a dentist. They want to be a dentist in Uganda. They don't just want to uh, work in a corporation. They want to know that that corporation is actually doing something to help life make it it better. And let me tell you, that's an improvement on generations before them because a lot of times people just worked for the money. We we wanted to build a good life. Nothing, Nothing wrong with that. I love the fact that the millennial generation wants to see, every time there's studies done about them, they, they want to see their work matter. But here's an interesting statistic for you that shows you that as much as that desire is real for millennials, one thing hasn't changed. I was listening to a researcher the other day who has spent 19 years researching the millennial generation. And he also researched Gen X, my generation, and he also researched the boomers, and he researched the World War II generation. And he said that if you look at the World War II generation, most of them had one to two job changes in their life. In fact, my granddad had one, came out of the war, 
went to work for the TVA, and retired from the TVA. That's what you did. If you look at the baby boomer generation, a lot of them, the statistics are showing four, maybe, maybe two to four significant job changes in a career path. If you look at Gen Xers, this man said the research indicated that he had done for the last 19 years, the Gen Xers, by the time they hit retirement age, my generation will have had four to six major job changes. And he said, right now, if the trend continues... By the time millennials, that's people born a little bit after 1980, by the time they hit retirement age, they will have had 22 major job changes. And I believe it. He said that when polled, millennials said that when they were asked the question, will you be in this role in 36 months, the vast majority said, I don't see myself in this role in 36 months. But you see, the question has always been, but I want my work to matter. I love that about that generation. But one of the things we see with Gen Xers and baby boomers is even though they may not change jobs as much, the trend continues from the World War II generation to Gen X, to boomers, to Gen X, to millennials. It's, it's, the thread continues is that people wonder if their job matters. People wonder if their time matters. Matters. Am I just helping build somebody else's corporate dream? Does my work pay off? Does it matter? You weren't just built to get up and grow up and get a job and then die. That's not why you're here. If you look at the life of Jesus, regardless of the generation you might be in, one of the things you're going to see about when he called these apostles is that there was a distinction. He did call them out of a career path. He called Peter out of a career path. He called Luke out of a career path. But there were way more people that followed him and repented and became a part of the kingdom of God that never left their career path. Most didn't, actually. So I don't think it's fair for you to say my work doesn't count if, unless I go and do stuff like Jason does or like Alexis does or like Graham does or Kim Margrave or Jenny Ross my work doesn't count unless I do it under the steeple. In fact, I would say that's been one of the biggest plagues on the Christian church for a long time is we, we don't think that it matters unless we do it here. And the reality is we only meet here once a week. But we live in Galilee. And we transact business in Galilee. We have conversations and it's where real life happens out there in fact, when you look at this story, you're going to find that in most cases, God isn't going to call you to abandon your job. But he is going to do something to change the way you look at it, because I'm going to tell you, regardless of what generation you're in, the theme that I see 
Regardless of how many times millennials change jobs or how few times my granddaddy changed jobs, the, the, the trend is the same. People want to know that their life counts. And so they either hop or they have depression or they have anxiety or they, they, they search till they find and, and, and they, they, they get their degree in one field only to, to fulfill it in another. And I think it's like 80, 80-something percent of people that went to college are, are not using their degree at all. The human heart is built to know that we count and we matter. So when you come to Christ and he calls you into his kingdom work, there's a good chance he may not ask you to change your profession. But I tell you what he will do. Life in Christ, it will alter my focus from what I do to why I do it. It will alter my focus from what I do to why I do it. We live in, depending on what blog you read or what current article you read in the Wall Street Journal or Forbes or Inc. magazine, we live in the top 10 wealthiest counties in the United States of America. And if there's one thing that's true about this county with all of its benefits is that those of us that have lived here a long time and have enjoyed the benefits of Williamson County, and there are many, that we find that even with more square footage and larger amounts in direct deposit for your wage and better schools, And a better lifestyle, it doesn't seem at the end of it all to really make a lot of difference in the fact that we still wonder, are we missing something? It's great to live here. It's actually very great to live here. But there's just as much anxiety as there's ever been. There's just as much loneliness as there's ever been. There's just as much divorce as there has ever been. There's just as much of abuse as there's ever been. It it doesn't change the fact that the human heart is longing for meaning. So when you come into Christ and you come into the kingdom work, Jesus will change the why. He will change the why. And I will tell you this as a way to give you some encouragement today, Christian friend. When you know your why, you can endure really just about anything. When you know why God puts you in the plan, it's why we stress it over and over and over again. And we're going to keep stressing it. There's never going to be a time we're not going to put pressure on this. If you are a guest at Clearview, or maybe you're watching from home, or maybe you're over in the chapel, if you're new here, I'm gonna, you're going to hear this word, discover your purpose, all the time. And when you get sick of it, that's when we're really coming. Because we know that until you know why God put you on the planet, you will be a wandering generality. You will be a wandering generality. And when you come into the kingdom, you know what you get? In the words of Dan Miller, you get no more Mondays. No more Mondays. 
When I discovered God's call on my life, I can honestly say I've had rough weeks, but I've never gotten up with an intense feeling that I'm insignificant, life doesn't matter, and what I do doesn't count. Because God called me to something, and I want that for you. I want that for you. And so when you discover it, you're, you're going to walk in, in places that you never even knew existed. Before I pray with you this morning, I, I want you to understand something, though. When Jesus called Peter and Simon, and I mean, when Peter and, and Andrew, and when he called Luke and Mary and others... It's really no different than what he's calling you to today in this regard. He wasn't calling them to fulfill their purpose just to make the world better. And you really got to know that. No matter where you work, no matter where you spend your eight to five, no matter where you spend that energy, no matter what you do for a living, you discovering your calling if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a student, no matter where you spend your day, for you discovering your calling, it is not just to make life better for you and to make the world a nicer place. It's not. It's not just to make your workplace better. It's not just to make you more holistic. It's not just to make you more gracious so that you can deal with people in the workplace. You discovering your calling is about God using you to bring his kingdom into tangibility. To bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. To make that a reality. And all of that matters. All of that matters for one reason. It matters because there is coming a day that people are going to stand individually before a holy God. They are. They're going to stand individually before a holy God. And so you have connections with the world that I'll never have. You have a network and a tribe around you that I will never... I don't even have an invitation into your circles. I don't. I don't have an invitation into your circles. But you, you live there every day. And so you discovering your calling and you executing your gifts and you executing all the spirit gifting that God has given you, it is for a sole purpose. It is not just so you can get up every day finding fulfillment. That's a good French benefit. It's so that the kingdom of God can be made manifest so that people will know the Son of God who came and walked among us, that they may repent. And stand before God with confidence. Because when Jesus called out Peter, we called out Luke, it wasn't just to start a religion. It was to start the kingdom of God. And that call continues today to you. And until you abandon what you do, you're never going to experience the life you never knew. You have a built-in mission field. And if those people in your mission field do not hear about Christ, they will stand before him 
and it will not be pretty. Those calls that we face have eternal consequences. And I'm not trying to guilt you into serving God with a full heart. What I am saying to you is you don't have to join the masses that say, I don't know why I'm here. You don't have to join the masses. You can discover why God put you on planet earth. And that is found in Christ. And that is our prayer for you when Jesus calls that you would answer. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.